Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to President, Patriot or Puppet. You know, the show today is mainly about Obama's executive order in to rule America with pen and phone. But first, I just have to open the show with a comment from a person who's in a group in one of the uh, my LinkedIn groups uh, that the comment was so stupid I had to ask for help to get the answer that I could send back to him now his question was David please tell me how you came to have the strong anti-Obama views that you write about daily exactly when did your objections to him begin and why just asking what freaking cave does this guy live in my help on answering this absurd comment was, the answer is easy, if he has no idea why we don't like Obama's policies, he cannot be talked to. <laughs> that was a good one. I would have to question his Phi Gamma Delta designation on his uh, profile, or objections to Obama began when he appeared on the political scene and the news media didn't even vet him, let alone Congress, it began when Michelle was, uh, said, uh, this is the first time I have ever been proud of my country. You know, the uh, first lady. Okay. She said this uh, when Obama was uh, 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 of course, nominated. Now, they both hate the United States. I wouldn't give him a long, drawn-out, detailed answer. He wouldn't read it and wouldn't understand it. You could ask him how the uh, uh, cold and the snow uh, are symptoms of the global warming, you know, that he's bought into with the Al Gorish guy. Uh, that would tell us his true mentality. Then the next helpful reply furnished to me by another associate was, this stupid guy was where when a non-vetted unknown drug addict community organizer with ties to foreign powers was raised to the highest office in the land, a deep distrust came upon me concerning Obama and the process that brought him into office. Oh, help. Now, I want uh, to ask the Lord to please find a path through the ignorance and to be able to save our country and allow us on this radio program to do so. So next, let's go right to money is the mother's milk of politics. If you doubt that, just notice the number of contribution requests that fill the TV screens and clutter your mailbox, and the fact that more than half of the members of Congress are millionaires. Even the most rudimentary political campaigns cost many thousands of dollars to launch, and even more to keep the election bureaucrats in office. Of course, nobody ever makes a significant con contribution to a political candidate without expecting something in return. I believe it's called cronyism. Now, add cronyism to executive order, and you have tyranny. However, public laws are messy. They take time and aren't always predictable. What to do? Just issue an executive order. Of course, President Obama has publicly stated that he would act on his various schemes with or without Congress. Obama's pen and phone will also impose uh, further draconian laws on American gun-owning taxpayers. Obama signed a whopping 23 executive orders related to gun control. At least one of them would appear to directly defy legislation duly approved by Congress and signed into law, making the orders illegal. Let's look at uh, order number 14. 14 issued a 
presidential memorandum directing the Centers of Disease Control to research the causes and prevention of gun violence. This executive order would seem to run afoul of the little the uh, little problem that Congress has for years specifically disallowed such research in its budget legislation because it was actually no more than an effort to slap a thin veneer uh, of uh, academic respectability over anti-gun activism in order to provide justification for the obsessive gun laws, oppressive gun laws, excuse me. Basically, groups like Payne, who have railed against congressional interference with their agenda of anti-gun science, want not only to impose draconian laws on American gun owner taxpayers, but want them to pay for the law's supposed uh, justification as well. So far, Congress has seen through that the and disallowed funding for that research and executive order mandating it is thus illegal. Obama has already carried out what today some say is a future threat. In June 2012, facing a presidential election, campaign that he feared he might lose and wishing to keep socially conservative Hispanics from voting for Mitt Romney, the president directed the Department of Health and Human Services, the same folks who failed miserably at rolling out Obamacare, you may remember, to establish standards of behavior for millions of illegal immigrants, which, if followed, to the government's satisfaction, would get them off the government deportation lists. To be sure, deportation can be ruinous, particularly to the family with children who were brought here as infants and have become fully Americanized, but the conditions for deportation and for the, adv- uh, the avoiding the deportation can only be established by Congress, not by the president or his appointees. When he lays down a list of conditions that permit persons in America to avoid complying with federal law, he is not enforcing the law. He is rewriting it. Only Congress can lawfully establish the circumstances under which those who are candidates for deportation may legally avoid it as well. When the president creates the conditions for avoiding compliance with federal law, He can hardly be said to be enforcing it. Yet enforcing federal law is the heart president's job. The framers were so concerned with the potential of presidents to decline to enforce laws with which they disagreed that they inserted the words faithfully in the presidential oath when describing his enforcement obligations and they inserted the oath itself into the Constitution. The inescapable conclusion from this is that the framers intended American presidents to enforce all the laws that Congress has written, even those they dislike, even those they condemn, even those that may frustrate their friends, even those that may harm their political interests. On the other hand, American presidents have some discretion when it comes to enforcing laws and may set priorities that are not inconsistent with the laws themselves. Obama, like all of his predecessors, has issued dozens of executive orders and signed off off on thousands of regulations that have been lawful and helpful. That's because, as president, he is the chief executive officer of the executive branch of the federal government and is largely responsible for the professional behavior of the three million persons who work under him as they follow his lead in enforcing federal law. Thus, executive orders that complement, supplement, and further the laws that Congress has enacted, orders that guide officials in the executive branch as to the president's wishes, priorities, and goals, orders that clarify but do not contradict federal laws can actually be helpful 
and such orders are invariably lawful and constitutional. But Obama seems to have had different kinds of orders in mind. Obama seems to have had different kinds of orders in mind that he, that he spoke of, of his uh, pen and his phone, once much more akin to the HHS regulations and avoiding deportation, and he has made no effort to hide his intention. Two months ago, as the uh, effective date of Obamacare was about to uh, set in, and after weeks of denying the, the obvious, the president acknowledged that the rollout of Obamacare was a disaster and that cancellation of 6.2 million soon-to-be substandard health insurance policies was profoundly his assurance that would be would never happen and was actually harmful to those who lost their coverage to counter the effects of the rollout and the cancellations the president told insurance companies to reinstate their substandard insurance policies for a year until the rollout could be corrected thus on his own he attempted to change the effect the effective date of the onset of Obamacare from January 1, 2014, which is the date in the law after which the substandard policies are unlawful to January 1 to January 1, uh, 2015, which is the date he now prefers. I think that's right after the election date, right? Okay, the president has reminded his uh, us countless times that he taught constitutional law in the University of Chicago Law School and therefore understands the Constitution. He doesn't act like he understands it. He surely knows that only Congress can change the effective date of a law and that he is utterly without power to do so, no matter his purpose. He revealed the corruptibility of power when three libertarian Republicans in Congress came to his assistance and he rebuffed them. Shortly after the president told insurance carriers to disregard the onset date of Obamacare, Senators Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, and Mike Lee all legislation in the Congress to delay the onset of Obamacare lawfully for one year and thus lawfully permit the return of the 6.2 million concealed policies for one year. And Obama threatened to veto that legislation should Congress pass it. Now, the same president who claims the unlawful power to rewrite federal law on his own would use his veto power to prevent Congress from doing so lawfully. His preferences surely constitute no less than a perversion of the roles assigned to the branches of government by the Constitution. Even the most rudimentary, uh, rudimentary, uh, rudimentary political campaigns cost many thousands of dollars to launch and, and even more to to keep the elected bureaucrats in office, of course, nobody ever makes a significant contribution without expecting something in return. And, of course, being cronyism, every few years our elected representatives will pledge to keep financial favors out of the policies by codifying taxpayer-funded campaigns, encouraging you to check a block on your 1040 for a voluntary campaign contribution or passing such legislation as the McCain-Feingold Act to clean up political campaigns once uh, and for all, of course the McCain-Feingold Act didn't work. It wasn't supposed to work. Those who supported the bill wanted the money. So even though individual contributors were limited, contributions to political action groups were not. So to favor one special interest group or the other, they created super PACs, leadership PACs, etc., each with its own set of rules. However, public laws are messy. They take time and aren't always predictable. What to do? Just issue an executive order, of course. 
President Obama has publicly stated that he would act on his various schemes with or without Congress. Democrat political strategist Paul Begala uh, exuberantly described President Obama's actions as stroke of the pen law of the land. So it was an easy move for the administration to instruct the IRS to develop two tax codes exemptions, 501c3 and 501c4, to encourage or discourage political campaign activity. Obviously, elected officials' financial contributions as much as possible and declaring them to be exempt from federal taxation is one such method of encouragement. So if you contribute to a PAC that is covered by one of these two codes, it is exempt from federal taxation. Why two codes? Politics, of course. 501c3 is extended to those organizations we would generally consider appropriate for tax exemption, civic leagues, public charities, civic organizations, and the 501c4 approval groups who claim to be civic organizations but also do political campaigning. If a political organization is denied such exemption, it is placed at a significant disadvantage. So IRS withholding or delaying such approval from Tea Party or other conservative groups was one of the Obama scandals that was widely recognized as seriously hindering the efforts of his political opposition and contributing heavily in assuring his re-election. But it was so obvious and so illegal that the public perception was that the Obama administration had raised political dirty tricks to an unprecedented level. After his re-election, Obama was appropriately embarrassed. In a public statement, Obama promised, first, we're going to hold those responsible parties accountable. Second, we're going to put in place new safeguards to make sure this kind of behavior cannot happen again. But holding his political cronies accountable wasn't a viable option. And safeguards have never worked. So what to do? Simple. Legalize the illegal, you know, stroke of the pen. Now, Kimberly Strassel, writing in the Wall Street Journal, is reporting that the Obama administration, just in time for 2014 midterm elections, is now in the process of creating a new executive order that would legalize the type of abuses of power it committed during the RS scandal when Tea Party and conservative nonprofit groups were targeted and would isolate and shut down the same Tea Party groups victimized in the first targeting round. She goes on to write, This proposed guidance, while technically pending public comment, puts conservative groups in immediate notice that it could be enforced at any moment. It is clearly designed to have a chilling effect on any group gearing up for next year's midterms which is this year, 2014, just as the first round of targeting was designed to dampen conservative participation in the 2010-2012 elections. Now, Democrats are daily directing government against their political opponents via Congress, the SEC, the FEC, yet uh, IRS acting Commissioner Danny uh, Warfel wants Americans to think This latest IRS rule is just about providing clarity, and the White House continues to insist that it was unaware of the previous targeting. The political insult is that President Obama is using his new targeting rule to wiggle out of liability for the last round. The same president who in May was outraged by the IRS's actions, now says it was all just some confusion over tax law, which he knew, uh, which his new rules fixes. Now, Obama told an interviewer 
on his favorite station, MSNBC, that the media had hyped what was a few poor IRS souls in Cincinnati who were trying to streamline what is a difficult law to interpret. And they've got a list, and suddenly everybody's outraged. Now, everybody was outraged to discover the IRS was secretly targeting the president's political opponents. They might be more outraged that the White House is now using the IRS to do the same thing in the brazen light of day. Of course, the new regulation would not apply to the legitimate 501c3 groups, nor would it apply to labor unions which have their own separate 501c5 code. Rather, it would only target 501c4 groups, which the Democrats feel have been effective vehicles for conservative advocacy. I've just got to bring in some help. My guest, Dr. Mark Davis, please, Dr. Uh, Michael couldn't be with us today. He's snowed in up there. What do you got to uh, say? Oh, forgive my raspy voice, David. Uh, we have about a foot and a half of snow outside the door here. We live in, uh, in an area, it's a forested area. Uh, the executive order goes back to Washington. Uh, the executive order was meant, meant to carry out normal functions of government, not to circumvent the legislation, which is, which is what exactly what Obama is doing. What the king of executive orders was FDR, as people know, he had almost four terms. He put in 3,500-plus executive orders. Obama's done a couple of hundred right now, and the thing is, he's making legislation. That's different than what FDR did. That's different than what Washington did, than what Lincoln did. So Lincoln did not free the slaves with an executive order. All right. He, there was an Emancipation Proclamation. They, they got the uh, Constitutional Amendment, the 13th Amendment, and that's how the slaves were freed. So Obama is making law through executive order, 24 executive orders, uh, ruling over gun legislation, which should go through the Congress, not through him. So he's basically usurped the powers of one of the branches of, of government, the legislative branch, and they're not fighting back. They've turned into jelly. They, they, they have no, uh, forgive me. They have no cojones at all. And, and was seen, I was watching Bonin the other day crying. Uh, he he literally was crying that uh, he's going to put the uh, the debt ceiling up for a vote, even though he was against raising the debt ceiling. Now that's a contradiction in terms. All right. So we have now a president who's become autocratic. Who who studied constitutional law, but what constitution was he talking about? It wasn't the American Constitution. The, the Constitution itself, Article 2, Sections 1 and 3, just even tangentially talk about executive orders, that the president has to faithfully carry out uh, whatever the laws are. Okay, And if he doesn't do that, he can be impeached. It's right in the Constitution. It doesn't say he can create law through executive order. Nowhere else in the Constitution does it say anything about executive order other than Article 2, which touches upon it. But you need a president who is able to carry out normal government functions, and if an executive order helps that, all laws that are necessary uh, to maintain the country, uh, and then the executive order works, that's fine. But that's not what's happening here. He's going around Congress, as you said, and you aptly said it, we have a president who's out of control. We have a Congress not checking the president, and the results are obvious. You're seeing what's happening every day. So your 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 um, introductory remarks were right on cue, uh, and I agree with you. You know that we have. I believe we have Craig Anderson online. That's Hello, right. Craig. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Have you got a thought or two to throw out here? Oh, man, have I got a thought or two on this. <laughs> you know, Mark, you're, you're absolutely correct in this, except for the fact that I do not believe we have a president who's out of control. I believe we have a dictator who is seizing control. You know, a, a president out of control is going to still have some affinity 
for the Constitution of the United States. The occupier of the Oval Office currently does not. Uh, he views the Constitution as a pesky problem uh, that is simply getting in his way. And this, this is what we're seeing from Alpha to Omega uh, from the time this guy took office uh, to the, the current hour of the day. He will change obfuscate, he will, he will do whatever he wants to do with any law that's on the books because he wants to do it, not because Congress has any say in the matter. It's whatever he wants, and that is the type of behavior you see in dictators around the world, not in presidents of a constitutional republic. Well, it's one you know, America from his gonna, behavior it, to a tyrant. It used to be... Yeah, hang on a second. It used to be, uh, let me uh, cry for you, Argentina. You know, it's yep. let me cry for you, America, right now, because we're turning into what Argentina. See, history is all around us. We can pay attention to it, or we can just say no. And that is exactly what this president is turning us into. If you've studied any of that Argentina mess, you can see that that is exactly what's taking place here. Obama wants to destroy this country economically from within. There are people like George Soros who are the puppet masters behind the scenes who actually make, made his first trillion dollars by collapsing the British pound. Yeah. They, this is exactly the direction he is planning for. It's just like uh, Craig says... It's not a president out of control. He's definitely in control and wants to be the dictator-in-chief, and that's exactly right. Well, a tyrant, how would you define a tyrant, then, if he's not a, uh, a guy who's not in control, but he he, he issues executive orders? I, I mean, how do you describe the man who is moving his own agenda through without a Congress, with the courts on his side, I mean, I don't know how else to describe him. He is a tyrant, for sure. Yeah, he is but democracy hey. is in chaos when you have a guy like him uh, in office. We don't have a democracy. We should have a republic. But the democracy has, for years and years, decades, been pushed up there to, to act like it's the same as our republic. We have a constitution and bill of rights that is protecting us and is being uh, destroyed by this person who is a tyrant and has no affiliation with democracy and certainly the opposite from our republic. He is destroying our Constitution. Those documents are designed to protect the American people and America. The, the government really only has two jobs protect America and Americans, for them to expand government to such extremes and to enter our everyday life is absolutely absurd. We need persons outside the political beltway who are accepting those what we call bribes and official donations. Uh, we have to have people who are true America lovers, not to the tune of of uh, like uh, Michelle Obama when he was on his president, first presidential campaign. This is the first time she says that I've been proud of my country. Listen, there's only one human race, okay? When they start playing these race cards and all the other yeah. crap that the uh, uh, Al Sharptons and the Jesse Jacksons and the rest are trying to buy into, they're actually... Uh, taking their own skin color, which is, and I call this, different skin colors, not different races, and they're exploiting them all over the country. And this Obama character is indeed in bed with all of them because that helps to destroy us from within. That is, in, is indeed his intent. So, yes, he is a tyrannical uh, person. He is not a leader. He is definitely, as Craig says, purposely trying to be a dictator. He doesn't give a crap about our our Constitution. Constantly he's circumventing that. Constantly he is changing a law with a pen. There is absolute proof 
that he needs to be put in jail, and we don't have anyone on the right that, other than now we just got through hearing uh, the uh, lawsuit filed by uh, Rand Paul. The, uh, Rand Paul, uh, but that, that's a you know a small step in the right direction. Unfortunately, if we started impeachment process right now, what would it do? Well, of course, Harry Reid and company would kill it, okay? But we have to do it right after the midterm elections. I think Rush had it, Rush Limbaugh had it right when he says, you know, it's going to be a rush to the voting booth to fire Democrats come this 2014 election. Well, you, you guys believe that? Well, yeah. I mean, you can already see it happening. You can see uh, in the poll numbers uh, that are reflecting the uh, the job approval ratings of Obama uh, right now. It's it's already begun. I mean, the the rush to uh, uh, eliminate Democrats from office, and the Democrats know it. The liberals elected uh, in the House and in the Senate, they know they're on very thin ice right now because they are beating a hasty path away from Obama on their campaign trails. But let me, uh, David, just take your don't cry for me Argentina uh, thing just a, a, a step further and you just mentioned Michelle and her well this is the first time I've ever been proud of my country let me tell you something that woman is no more proud of her country today than she was the day before she said that and last night she showed up at a state dinner at the White House wearing a dress that we have now discovered costs more than the average income of those in this country who are listed at the poverty level. Right. Now, you know, this is Ava Perone showing up at the palace to put on a show. Mm-hmm. You've got jobless numbers today that increased over last week's, and last week's was an increase over the week before. The official unemployment rate, and I say official in air quotes, but the official unemployment rate is 7.6%, I believe, right now. But that doesn't take into account the amount of people who have simply quit looking for work. And if you add those into it, it's over 12% right now. And there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, very sharp economics people, that say that number is even low. The 12.2% is even low. What, so, if, what if we took just the black colored? Do you know that they're up towards 14%? And and still, right. they praise their so-called leader. I think and, you know, what, what we're seeing here is just an absolute... You know, when he said back in, in 2007, 2008, I want to fundamentally transform America, well, that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the fundamental downfall of America. You put too much credence in polls. He had lousy polls prior to the election also amongst the groups that usually support him, Obama, and he still was reelected. Ninety percent of the Afro Americans went for Obama, seventy percent of Hispanics went for Obama. So I don't think the polls have much credence in this particular case. Our first, second and fourth amendments are under assault and that group doesn't give a damn. They don't care. And that's what we're seeing right now. He has full support among his supporters. Uh, You hear that black unemployment in teenagers is high, yet the teenagers like him. There's some kind of dichotomy there, some kind of – there's two different ways of looking at Obama. But they like Obama because Obama looks like them, and that's all. I understand. But, you know, there is something that you – uh, overlook when you talk about him being re-elected, all right? Uh, do you recall way back there when we had the old, they, they picked the stupidest looking guy in the world to photograph, and he was, he was on the television nearly every day looking at a hanging chad? Do you remember those days? Yes, very much. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the, very, the very symbol of that was done purposely because they wanted to transform America into a voting booth that was pre-programmed. It doesn't matter what you put in the thing. It can have an outcome of what you program it. Okay, there was a whole two-hour series done on that. Now, let's go to the voting booth. How about 
those who openly admitted that they voted for Obama, and they voted for him often. Let's talk about those <laughs> in the districts where there were more votes for Obama than people that lived in those districts, yeah. and not one voted for a Republican. Hey, let's talk about those who were put on buses and drove, driven from one voting booth to the other voting often. And those dead people, my goodness, they came out of the ground to vote for Obama. So, no, I don't uh, give uh, two cents worth for people who say he was voted back in, so therefore those uh, those studies and those re remarks that, uh, that Craig just got to uh, saying are not beneficial. They are. We have got to come up with the solution to get rid of the fraud, or we're going to be so much in so much hot water there is no way around it voting fraud we've got to get in our local uh, uh voting places and stop the democrats from being completely in charge i mean i went to a voting booth this past election and it was totally controlled by democrats there were hundreds outside trying to hand uh, documents to you. Listen, you need to vote for this guy, this guy, this guy. All of them were pressing those, and I saw the buses come up and the people would come out of it, and guess what? They get back on the buses, and the buses take off to go to the next place. So, no, I do not agree that the constituency voted him into office. Yes, his uh, the black-colored uh, skin voted for him almost unanimously that's yes. a given but so did a lot of dead people and so did a lot of people who did, did you not notice exist there's no investigations in those areas where there's more people uh, registered voting than this population and you know why because they're all run by democrats and that's why you don't see any investigation like we have with the hanging chads and that is Chicago, that's Detroit, that's inner city Los Angeles, that's New York City, and that's the way it is. And it's always going to be the way it is. They're not going to check behind uh, who's voting, who's not voting, because it's not beneficial to them to do that. How did Harry Reid get in? He was trailing by 5% in 2010, and he, one night, the, the night of voting, uh, November, there was a blackout in the community. Next day, he's 5% up. So he went from 5% down the five percent of, and his son, his son was one of the people that runs the voting in, in that particular county. I think it was Carson County, Nevada. So there's a lot of hanky packy going on. You're absolutely right. You know, it's going to take some time, but look, this, uh, look at this mayor in, in ex mayor in New Orleans who is yeah. found guilty. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, it's going to take time, but I hope it's not too late. I don't want us to be the uh, the Juan Peron country. I want us to save ourselves, and it's going to take strong Americans like us to sit and fight. You can't just be complacent, and and that's one of the things that that strong Americans are guilty of. They're they, they're head down and they're working all the time trying to provide for themselves and their families, and then those are the the others who uh, will not work, and they have plenty of time to be bussed around and to listen to the jargon and buy into anything as long as the freebies keep coming. Now, we've got to answer those. We've got to come up with solutions. There is no reason a problem can exist. The only reason a problem can exist is the, the right solution has not been adapted. Now, Craig, give me the right solution. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. Well, you know, when it comes down to Ray Nagin, if uh, if Hurricane Katrina would have hit on an election day, it could have been worse or it could have been better for the city of New Orleans, depending on which direction the buses were running. But Nagin didn't run any buses that day to get anybody out of there. You know, and, and here you've got media bias, too, because uh, last night, not one major network outside of Fox News, not one of the alphabet networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, not one of them, in their coverage of Ray Nagin being found guilty of corruption, used the word Democrat, not even once. <laughs> and this is what we're fighting against here. 
you know, you've got people that are getting their news from these sources. You know, Ray Megan, oh, he's found guilty. He's the former mayor of New Orleans. Well, is he a Republican or a Democrat? If you listen to those ABC networks, the, the Alphabet networks, you wouldn't know whether he was a Republican or a Democrat. However, two weeks ago, when uh, Rattle, the, uh, the Republican who got caught in the drug sting, when he resigned, every single one of those networks continually referred to him as Republican Congressman. That is a very good uh, synopsis and, and so, uh, so well uh, presented because that's exactly what takes place, and that's one of the reasons why I use the word low-informed. Uh, you know, when you can stand up in front of the public and give the little Joe Biden, Uncle Joe smile, and that's not true, that's not true about anything that is, of course, in fact true, then we have to come up with the solution to deal with those kinds of people. I don't know that we have enough strong Americans to overthrow uh, that type of thing, but I think our first and foremost attack needs to be yeah. at that voting booth. If we don't make certain that the correct vote goes to the correct candidate, you can rest assured that the majority are going to go to the Democrat. It's just that's that's how they've got – it's just like uh, uh, Dr. Davis just got through saying, look, the son of the, the idiot in charge of the Senate was and probably is going to be investigated when there is a more powerful Senate – and found guilty, just like this mayor, you know. But those are hindsights, and we can go back and say, proud of, of 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 doing it. But what happened in the meantime? All those people in in uh, New Orleans suffered like uh, uh, there was, you know, no tomorrow. But yet he had his cronyism going on, and of course got caught well after the fact. You have to remember what happened in. Um, when Katrina, pre-Katrina, the population of New Orleans was two-thirds, 67% Afro-American, bad term, but Afro-American. Everybody blamed Bush, not Ray Nagin, for not running the buses and not preparing the city for what was coming. And they also don't know where all the money went that for the levies. All the money did not go into the levies to be rebuilt. So there's a lot of things to be answered to. And they would still vote a bad guy like him and a Democrat who's going to go to jail now. You have to remember the mayors of Camden, Newark, a lot of cities, they're all Democrats. And as was just said appropriately, they're not talking about that they're Democrats. They're just talking about as though people, one of the mayors of uh, um, Syracuse, New York, the same way, another person, Lee Alexander, he went to jail as a Democrat for taking money, taking bribes. Ray Nagin was incompetent in Louisiana, New Orleans. I want to ask you if you remember this statement. Tell me if you remember this statement by Ray Nagin. When the people, when he was addressing the, all of the, uh, the television stations and they said, are you wanting the people, all the people to come back? Well, we want all of the people. This is more of a darker-skinned place, and we would more encourage the darker-skinned folks to come back. Do yeah. you remember that coming from his mouth? I think he said he wanted to be chocolate. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, he wanted yeah, to be chocolate. That's what he. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's not going to be a, a time that when people make these statements, just like Craig said, if it's going to be something Democrat, well, they're never going to repeat anything like that. If it was a Republican, oh my God, this, the fiddles and the bands and the harps and the television stations and. And all of the uh, Chris Matthews of the world would be screaming. Those but they blamed it on Bush. Everything was Bush's fault, not the not the mayor's fault, not the governor's fault. Mm-hmm. Always Bush, Bush. But they always said he's Republican. Make sure, just like you said. Yeah, it is so so very true. You know, uh, the there's no worse tyranny than to force man to pay for something. Now we throw out there the Obamacare thing, but there is indeed going to be a long-lasting uh, vendetta 
that's going to have to be related to and how the how we focus on it and how people of the United States today focus on it, it it's sad to say they don't they pay more attention to some actor uh, or that uh, beaver or beater or whatever his name is uh, yeah those kinds of issues rather than what's going on in America. It's sad. Well, that, they have a Justin Bieber mentality. That's why they pay attention to him. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Look at the average IQ in this country. It's falling every year, and it's getting worse under the Democrats because they're not, stimulating, they're not stimulating people's minds. They're just giving away stuff. No analytics involved. Exactly. But, you know, I know that that everybody is aware that Eric Holder is a absolute criminal. He's absolutely yeah. a criminal. Not not just going back to the Fast and Furious thing that he was given the political pardon by by his uh, uh, dominator in chief. The, but there's one thing that each state attorney general must figure out and and do quickly. By the way is that they do not need to go into the federal courts to block an unconstitutional and an anti-free market law. Now, if, if a federal court tries to ban something like the states have the right uh, to actually condemn and say, no, that's against the Constitution. I would hope that more states like Oklahoma stand up and say, oh, no, you're not going to force us uh, to accept your uh, abomination, <laughs> I love the word, abomination of the uh, Constitution. Now, if we had more governors that would stand up and say, uh, you know, I, I love the one uh, that came out of, uh, of the uh, Texas uh, governor's mouth when he was talking about, uh, you know, I'm going to do just like uh, the New York people did. I'm going to publish where all the gun owners live. He says, now pay attention to all the pink uh, portions uh, around Texas because that's where they they live and, and own guns. And he showed a picture of Texas. It was all pink. <laughs> now, yeah. I love those <laughs> kinds of things. And I, I can't imagine uh, governors not taking the lead, you know, and having the kahunas to say, listen, you can, dis- you can destroy the rest of those states if they want to be pansies, but you're not going to destroy us. Part of the problem there is that the federal government, and you know, when I say that I mean the criminal Eric Holder, has unlimited resources at his command, and that's our taxpayer money. Exactly. Now, the states don't have as deep a pockets, obviously, as the federal government. And what Holder has done is he, every time a state does something that he doesn't like, he sues them. And that puts a state in a position of spending tens of millions of dollars to fight the lawsuit that that state may or may not have uh, at their disposal. And so some states, I think, are looking at the situation and saying, well, you know, I could defy this. I could, I could go up against Holder, but then he's going to sue me. And at that point, I either have to just back down and throw in the towel, or I've got to run the state coffers dry uh, trying to defeat him. And Holder can spring it out for as long as he wants. And all that's going to do is cost these states a lot of money. And... You know, we've got to get to a point where, you know, we can take people like Eric Holder and simply arrest them. When they violate the Constitution, when they violate the laws, you know, if you and I were violating laws as quickly as Eric Holder is, we wouldn't stand a snowball's chance of hell of staying out of jail. The best paradigm you're mentioning is Arizona, when Eric Holder went after them on immigration, gun control, uh, stopping people in the streets. So that's a very good example you gave. But Arizona was also reported to the United Nations. Do you remember that one about immigration? It was ridiculous. So what, what we're seeing now is, is the uh, dismemberment of the country to international types, like the United Nations. So Obama is into the 
the powers that be. You knew when he bowed down to the Saudi king, uh, you knew where the energy policy was. For them, not for us. That's why Keystone Pipeline is still not online. So, you know, there you there's go. millions of jobs that could be created overnight, guys. Yes, very Number much. one, very small amount, the, the hundreds of thousands with this uh, uh, Keystone Pipeline because people have you know they need manufacturing they need all all kinds of assistance so that would create you know hundreds of thousands but to get off of this global warming crap and then go ahead and allow drilling we would be the dominant country in the world that for uh oil resources we could do the fracking we could continue with all of the examples that that are out there right now High-paying jobs could be created overnight, and this is the reason that I say that Obama is purposely trying to destroy America. What did he do? He got on his uh, Air Force One and flew to Brazil and gave them billions of dollars. Right after he said there's no more drilling in in the Gulf, bomb, 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 he flew over there, gave them billions of dollars. What for? To instigate and to help them and assist them with their offshore drilling. Now, well, and let's I, not forget, let's not forget that he also told them, we want to be your best customers. Exactly. Yes, yes, very much so. Absolutely correct, yes. Definitely. I cannot imagine people being yes. so stupid that we cannot show them the facts. And But the, the problem is you show them the facts, and, and you get the Uncle Joe grin and say that's not true. They believe Uncle Joe. I'm yes. sick to death of not being able to get the point out there and to make it stick when you're talking about fact. You know, and I, I guess the, the, the most heartfelt uh, thing that I re-researched, which I have done many times, is that Argentina thing. We are so identical. We're parallel to what that yes. country how it destroyed itself because they allowed these ignorant people to be involved and they started saying to uh, to the the low informed those mean old nasty old rich people they're not paying their fair share yeah. remember that now all yeah. of a sudden they started moving out and they started of course that takes the jobs with them because they're the job yeah. creators and happened down here in Maryland. Hill, exactly it what happened so in Maryland. You're right. Yeah. Exactly right. They mm -hmm. overtaxed the rich. They left. That was what happened. And so they put a surcharge on the wealthy here. And uh, yeah. that's what it, that was it. You know, they moved and down. downhill you go from there. This is nothing exactly but right. a slide. If yeah. you are going to take the the only people who are creating jobs and to tell the world that they're the demonic people and yeah. that. It, it, that profit does not matter. You need to unionize, and you need to pay people X, Y, Z. This is the most destructive thing that there is. A person who is incentivized not to work is what? He's not going to work. Yeah. If you're incentivized to simply show up and you get X, and from, from then on when you retire, you're going to get flooded with cash. A damn bus driver in New York gets $100,000 a year. Please, I am sick of the comrade mayors of the world, which he, uh, the DeBazio the may be the one that's noted because he says he's uh, a uh, communist, but there are so many others just like him. Yeah. That's how the well, country is disintegrating, exactly what you just said, David. Yeah. It, it's true. And, and take it a step further, guys. You know, not only if you're incentivizing somebody not to work, are they not going to work, but when you are punishing the entrepreneurs and the job creators, if the more successful they become, the more heavily they're punished through the tax codes, then why would they want to become more successful? And you're, you're disincentivizing them 
from success. You know, the American dream was that you would start in the in the mail room and you would work your way up the ladder. Exactly. And then maybe your kids would, would start in a better place in the mail room and end up in a better place. And somewhere down the road, somebody's going to own their own business. They're going to become successful enough to hire some more employees. Maybe they buy a few extra delivery trucks. Maybe they expand their operation, their warehouse. They buy a second operation, so on and so forth. Well, right now, especially with Obamacare, you can't afford to be in business and do that. You, if you've got less than 50 employees, that's it. You're stuck right there. Yeah. What about let's look up the word insanity and get people to understand what the hell it is, and that is doing the same things over and over and each time expecting a different outcome. That is exactly what the American voting base is right now. They cannot realize that doing the same thing over and over is not going to change something. It just look at I want to say bring in Dr. Phil. How's it working out for you sport? Well, you know, we could say that if we brought all of these facts to life and was were able to get more than I mean I got about two hundred thousand listeners, but I wish that we could get two hundred million so that we could sit here and point out to the fact yeah. so that it would not be so the, the Chris Matthews wouldn't come back in and say that's not true, bomb, and they come out with their puke. I am sick to death of the fact that we cannot get fact out there because fact exists, and that's exactly what is going downhill right now is we're not paying attention to fact. Well, people like you and I, the strong Americans are, but the, the normal American, you get out on the street, you, you look at some of those guys that have those uh, television uh, interviews, it's, it's a joke. You ask them about something relevant of today, they have no clue, and they're just going from day to day being they're not in interested their in flower generation. It's all run by emotion, demagoguery. That's how this country is being run right now. Appeal to the basic instincts of people, the college students, to the welfare crowd. We'll give you the money. You go talk to the business community. He says, you didn't, you didn't invent that. You didn't discover that. You didn't produce that. Other people did it for you. you didn't, I didn't go through medical school and study my backside off. Somebody else did that for me. You all heard this. And this is what you have. There's a mentality out there that Obama keeps amplifying to keep people down. Exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. We cannot overemphasize fact. And when we start talking about it and we... And if if you become a lame duck like these rhinos out there, it will, tell me if you if this does not sound sneaky. Uh, McCain was purposely uh, picked to run against Obama, and purposely he was to pick a substandard person for the uh, vice presidency, so that the American people could see what will heartbeat away she would be for the from the uh, presidency now i really truly believe that kind of of uh, anarchism in the background is going on now it's not uh, it's not brand new look at him look at mccain he's he's just like one of the democrats he the calls Marshall. the tea parties he calls the tea party people un-american you know yeah. all of the 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 things that he joins with this uh, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell on there, they they need to be strung up on the bridge just like they did Americans over there in in uh, Iraq. You know they strung them up on the bridge, uh, Americans because they, we were over there trying to help them and and the bodies were just hard. You remember they burnt the bodies first, then they hung them up there. If you remember yeah. this, these pictures were glossy all over the world. Our own people went to help them, just like you said, and they killed them. But they killed them right. so bad, they were sending a message back to America. Stay mm -hmm. home. Get out of our place. We don't want you yeah. here. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you were over there and you saw the woman buried up to her neck and everybody was throwing rocks at her yes. because she reported the fact that, there were, that a man uh, raped her. It doesn't matter. She's still at fault. And if you tried to help her, even the women...
Even the women would try to kill you. You cannot change that kind, that part of the world. They, they've been for thousands of years have been the same way. Uh, I'm not sure. I've even been talked to by some uh, Muslim women. They believe it's homosexuality that actually in, is instilled in that uh, what I call the cult. It's certainly not a religion. No religion is going to call for the annihilation of anyone other than the people that say they believe like you do. I tell you, both of you have been powerful. I want you to come back every Thursday. We've got, we're have got we down to the wire, and I'm going to have to sign off. Thank you both. I appreciate it very much. It was you, great David. today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dear President Obama, we, the people, have stated resolutely we reject your vision for our country. You claim you have not heard us. We, the people, have assembled across America resisting your efforts to subvert our Constitution and undermine our liberty. You claim you have not seen us. Since you have not acknowledged our message, let us here present it once more. For if, as President Wilson said, a leader's ear must ring with the voices of the people, the time has come. Our greatest treasure is freedom.